The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. Is left for us to rant about. There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello, and welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, griffin dyke extraordinaire. And today you are listening to part B of our discussion of chapters 13 and 14 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And we are just going to jump right in. Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school. Literally, how is Snape allowed to referee when literally everyone even harry who's been in the school for like four months is like man he's gonna be too biased for this game i don't know it's like what jesus christ yep (laughs) like are you kidding me i know it's so bad um what i wrote is Look, okay, Snape is refereeing because Madam Hooch is terrible at her job, but, like, can we have a non-head of house here? Yeah. Apparently I write to myself like I talk to you (laughs) in situations (laughs) like this. Yeah. It's nonsense. All of the teachers are capable of fighting Quirrell. Also, Dumbledore comes to the match, so you probably could have just let Madame Hooch do her right, quote unquote, do her job. <laughs> uh, it's so bad. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, that ties into my first point, which is it is so fucked up that Ron and Hermione are legit worried that Harry's going to die during Quidditch. <laughs> and not because quidditch is really absurdly dangerous but because because they think snape is going to murder (laughs) (laughs) what is happening at this school these babies do not need this kind of stress no Whatever, it's when, I didn't write it down, I don't think, when Ron is like, I wonder what it's like to have a peaceful life. (laughs) You're 11, Ron. You you should not be that jaded when you're 11. No, this should not be happening to you. You should not be concerned that your teachers are going to murder your best friend. Or that, like, you have to protect a grown-ass man (laughs) going to prison for harboring illegal dragons. This should not happen to you. Oh, man. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) I thought, actually, I thought it was weird that Neville's like, it's weird that you guys are bringing your wands to the game. And I'm like, what? Like, you're at a magic school. Like, why would you not bring your wand literally everywhere? Yeah, no, that was just nonsense. They had their wands at the last game, too, because Hermione used hers to set Snape on fire. So, yeah. um, I mean, I understand why Neville would leave his wand in the common room. Because he's that, he, or I mean, in his, in his room, because, like, he is that kid. But, like. Yeah. Did you hear Rufio's, like, big heavy sigh that he did just then? <laughs> no. Which is very much how I feel about Neville. Just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I've been laughing pretty hard. That's probably why. Yeah. So Dumbledore is such a creep to Harry after the game. 
when he comes and is like murmuring to him so that no <laughs> one else can hear and he's like good job focusing on something besides the mirror harry just like what are you doing what are you doing don't do that go away you're very very scary i don't like it at all but also fuck you dumbledore for being like i'm glad you're not brooding over this he was having traumatic nightmares about his parents being murdered and he's just like i'm glad you're not brooding over it i'm like fuck you fuck you dumbledore and you're right that's a conversation that needs to happen but not a conversation that needs to happen like in a public setting very quietly with like an ellipses after every statement that's not how you have that conversation yeah i feel like harry doesn't harry like never gets the right no one ever handles harry's trauma and triggers very well in this book or in all the books really no, I feel like Dumbledore just makes them bigger and bigger. Yeah. That's like his objective. <sighs> yeah. I want to love Dumbledore. I can't I can't always bring myself to be able to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Just a really brief note before we leave the Quidditch game. Right after Dumbledore <laughs> creeps on Harry, Snape spits on the ground. <laughs> in anger about them winning it's so weird the whole thing so ridiculous it is very much like uh the end of a movie where it's like the bad guy has lost and he like is throwing his hat down and like and i'm like what i know what is happening if it weren't for you meddling kids I did almost write the Scoobies as opposed as opposed to the gang in my notes. Yeah. They are. <sighs> All right. I just have one more. What else do you have? Oh, uh, that's the end of what I have. All right. So these two are tied, right? Hermione thinking that she needs to study for 14 weeks for her end of term exams at age 11 is fucked slash the amount of homework that they have been assigned at age 11 is fucked that is not okay at all someone needs to go to hogwarts and give them the studies about the fact that homework doesn't make students better at school it they are children they don't need to be sitting looking longingly out the window at the world outside. They need to be playing. They're 11. They need recess. Like, they need yeah. downtime. They do not need hours of homework. Yeah. This is fucked up. This is not This is not what school for 11-year-olds should look like at all. Yeah. It, that's not what it should look like. And it also just kind of maybe feels like part of why they have all this homework it's like all these kids are just gonna be like in the library or like in their common room and that's where they're gonna be is doing their homework and it's like it's like i feel like this is just a way of controlling the first years to always sort of be studying like if they're studying they like can't do anything else but they can't fucking learn if they don't get to like move around i am i am so opposed to like how little free time these kids get how are you supposed to like learn and grow and develop and form friendships if all you fucking do is go to class and study? I mean, maybe this is what boarding school is like because I don't know. I don't think so. I think you get downtime. I mean, again, like Hogwarts is a terrible fucking school. It's a really bad school. <sighs> 14 so weeks of studying for exams. I know that Hermione is a little dramatic about how long she needs to be studying, especially because she probably doesn't actually need to study at all. But the fact that it's like the teachers are thinking along the same lines as her and assigning like heaps of homework. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. God. I would just like to make a public service announcement that finals are a terrible idea. No (laughs) one should do that. It's not good. People learn really poorly during times of extreme stress their brains work very poorly during times of extreme stress finals are very stressful 
split your big exams up throughout the semester. Don't do that. Maybe this is why there are some things that like Harry like doesn't seem to like absorb, right? Or like learn until later, and it's like it's okay, Harry, that that's your learning style. But it's shitty that like no one else is trying to accommodate any other kind of learning styles. Right? Yeah, no, it's real bad. Welcome to the health and science section, where this week we mostly are talking about dragons and the entire dragon subplot of this chapter before we get started i do have one not dragon related thing okay um Dittany, which makes its appearance in this book and yeah. then not again until book five right um it is an actual plant used for healing it grows in like grease on Uh-oh. like cliff sides also as an aphrodisiac Huh. So I feel like it should probably show up in love potions. Um, yeah. There's also Used for a, healing topically or internally? Topically. Um, actually, both. As like a poultice and then also as internal stuff. Rad. So I bet it doesn't work like it works in the book, though, huh? Probably not. That's um, too bad. But I guess, I don't know. It's pretty rare because it grows like on cleft sides in Greece and not really anywhere else. So like, oh, who wow. knows? what it can do that sounds like a legit magic plant yeah (laughs) i have a dragon related but like actual health and science thing that's unrelated to the plot Mm -hmm. um which is that baby reptiles eat the same food as adult reptiles so why is this dragon drinking blood and brandy (laughs) this is absurd actually so what i think it sort of reminds me of is it's kind of like if you read an old book about like how to take care of your farm animals or like your horses and I feel like some of them are full of like weird crap like this, you know? Where it's like don't feed your baby animal whatever the adults eat or milk, just feed it some random like, you know, oats and goat's milk or something 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 like that. Like it must be like a weird like farmer like myth to be like yeah chicken blood and brandy is what you feed dragons it's like what i mean maybe the brandy is just to like make the baby dragon not burn your house down (laughs) it's just drunk so it just sleeps a lot yeah because that's like what they used to give colicky babies was just get them drunk so that they would go to sleep and stop crying so that i guess that explains the brandy although brandy is so gross anyway i mean i don't know the Flying horses are not reptiles, but they also drink single malt whiskey. I mean, there's a lot of flying animals that consume weird stuff. That's true. I guess my problem is just that, like, it's as if Hagrid is nursing the baby, but reptiles don't produce milk. That's literally what makes a mammal different from a reptile. So I think in this instance, baby Hagrid... lizards come out of their weird eggs and eat crickets like that. There's no transition period. Um, But, you know, in your heart that Hagrid does, in fact, have a giant bottle and is nursing I know. this dragon. Hagrid would put that baby dragon <laughs> to his literal breast if yes. he could. Yes. He's definitely cradling it while he's, like, feeding, like, pouring blood and brandy into the, the mouth of this, I know. of this reptile. So, at this point, Jesse and my conversation turned to a previously non-existent theory. It's a brand new Harry Potter theory, as far as we can tell. Which, how is that, how does that even exist? I, like, don't understand. I know it feels like so wild to me to (laughs) originate a fan theory. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So in that, that theory is that Hagrid is a closeted trans woman and we talked about it, but it definitely was not a coherent conversation. We both were sort of like in shocked silence at (laughs) like, trying to like wrap our minds around this because it felt so right but we like hadn't had time to 
think about it before trying to talk about it. Um, And so in the time since then, we had the opportunity to sit down and talk to May Rude, who is an amazing, incredibly talented trans woman who does consulting about writing and talking about trans women in addition to a bunch of other really rad stuff. So we're going to play you the interview that we did with her. And then after you listen to that, we'll come back and we'll talk about our takeaways from the interview. Is that good, Jesse? Yeah. Should we, do you think it's worth mentioning why we reached out to May? Yeah. I mean, like just like in the kind of the like transparency and being like, I feel like it's good to be like, we wanted to talk to someone who like is living this experience that we're trying to like discuss wait did we talk about that in the beginning of this of the interview yeah yeah okay never mind (laughs) that's okay i think it's important to be like you should you know it's important don't assume things about the lived experiences of people who are living things that you aren't yes but also if there is ways in which people are like offering to consult or assist with that conversation you should do that as opposed to just being like i guess i'll just slap something together half-assed you know yeah definitely or i guess it's kind of like it's easy for when you create something to kind of just be like i'll just figure it out but like you know people's like lived experiences especially like the lived experience of like marginalized folks is not i think something that should be taken lightly i guess yeah so, yeah. Yeah, I think you nailed it. And, like, as someone who, could, you know, consumes a lot of media and, like, is definitely like, oh, wow, you should have, I don't know, consulted some brown people, for example, for this thing. It's like, we should we should be walking the walk, I guess. Yes. I think that's really well said. All right. Having said that. So we are, we are recording now. Awesome. Um, so, I don't know... Uh, do you want to maybe, if we're going to use this in the podcast, do you want to like say a little bit about who you are for our yeah. listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm Mae Rude. Uh, I'm a queer Latina trans woman. Um, I live in LA. Uh, I'm a writer and a consultant and a speaker. Um, a lot of the time on trans stuff. Uh, I was the trans editor at autostraddle.com for a while and I wrote about comics and witchcraft and pop music and other stuff uh and then now I write for a bunch of places them and Remezcla and Queerty and just whoever <laughs> yeah uh your work is awesome thank and you yeah I'm big big fan of yours and have been for a long time um the comics stuff that you talked about on Autostraddle definitely is like what got me into reading comics. Which awesome. Is a thing that makes my life a lot better. So that's what I love to hear. Yeah. So we're here today, listeners, to talk about a theory that Jesse and I came up with while recording a couple weeks ago, just sort of materialized out of nowhere that doesn't seem to exist on the internet anywhere, um, which is that it might make sense to read Hagrid as a closeted trans woman. And because neither Jesse or I are trans women, we wanted (laughs) to talk to someone who is living that experience and can make sure that we aren't assuming anything that we don't have a right to assume. Yeah. And honestly, thank you for doing that. Like... I mean, as, like, you can see if you just go to the movies or get on Twitter, people love just spouting out opinions on trans women without being informed at all. So (laughs) thank you for not. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, we have all these notes. And I don't know, we've never interviewed anybody for this podcast before. We don't really know what we're doing. I love it. (laughs) So I don't know if we should just, like, go through in order or like what makes the most sense um well i guess why don't y'all start by telling me how you came up with the theory like what were the first things you thought of 
So it came up for us. We were discussing the chapter where Hagrid gets Norbert the dragon um, and discussing Hagrid's relationship with Norbert and Hagrid's use of the word mummy to describe that relationship. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about the fact that that scene and that relationship would have been for us as readers as tender if Hagrid had been using the word papa as it is. Yeah. Um, And so it seems like a very interesting and like very deliberate choice to use the word mummy and that that seems to be Hagrid telling us something about their experience in the world. And then they sort of like from there, honestly, listening to the recording, um, we both sort of just sat there in silence for like two or three minutes thinking. And then we're like, and the unicorns and, (laughs) and sort of just like, it's, it's like long, long silences while Jesse and I are both just like, Oh, and this other thing. And wait, that other thing <laughs> excellent yeah yeah well like i mean i was just thinking about this uh about the mom thing the mummy thing like just throughout the series hagrid is so like motherly to both like magical creatures and then also to the kids mm-hmm. you know like hagrid carries baby harry in the motorcycle basket and Hagrid's the one who's carrying Harry's body at the end in uh, Deathly Hallows. Like, Hagrid has a very maternal role overall in the books, I think. Yeah, we actually just recorded the episode for the last chapter yesterday. And in that, that's where Hagrid has um, reached out to all of Lily and James's friends to get photos and put together the photo book for Harry. Mm. And when we talked about that, we were like, Hagrid really is the only like maternal, like caring person in Harry's life at the end of that book. Like before Molly Weasley yeah, comes yeah. in, Hagrid is the only person providing that kind I of care. I absolutely agree. Harry. Yeah. And like, and it's much, it's so much more of a mother vibe than a father vibe just overall, you know, it's, all about comfort and love and safety and just making sure this little kid is safe and like a in just a, a very like I I love this theory like I'd never thought about it before but Hagrid is just so like soft but in not in but I mean obviously Hagrid is strong you know I mean Hagrid's literally a giant <laughs> but He's, he, they, like, I don't know what pronouns to use now. Cause like, I mean, this theory is getting to me. Like, I love it, <laughs> but like, she just has this power that's calm and that just feels like, you know, like when, uh, you get stuck under a car and the mo- and your mom lifts the car <laughs> up with her mother's strength. Like that is like Hagrid all the time, you know? Yeah. You know, Earlier on in our podcast, when we've talked about Hagrid, we have compared Hagrid to both Elmira from Tiny Toons and Snow White. And I think those oh, are the man. only two people we've compared Hagrid to. Amazing. Which now makes me a little bit like, why is it that it took us until this point in the book yeah. to come to this conclusion? Amazing. Which is actually really funny because I feel like we say directly in the podcast that like when we're when we get introduced to like Hagrid's like home it's like very like midwest lesbian dream cabin yeah oh my gosh hardcore and i'm like oh and like since we've been like kind of talking about this and like looking over the notes i'm like Hagrid reminds me of like a lot of like butch like outdoor dykes that I know. <laughs> yes. I really thought you were going to say that Hagrid reminds you a lot of you. I mean, I mean, you oh, did say that just with words. Yes. I mean, but like, it's not, I mean, it's not just me who's like, I mean, I know 
like I have a lot of friends who are also like big into animals and like yeah. being outdoors and want to be like, where's my cabin in the woods? Like I'm over. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I know exactly animals. what you mean. Like I wrote uh, when uh, y'all brought up Madame Maxime as the like high femme dyke to Hagrid's like nature butch a trans lesbian like i was like yes that's like the perfect dynamic like that's i love that dynamic so much yeah it totally makes me like fan myself right (laughs) it's so great and then they went on like a camping trip together basically like a diplomatic trip like uh, like, (laughs) y'all hagrid's just there like hey i know how to start a fire (laughs) you know Like, ugh, that's the dream. <laughs> and you know Madame Maxime had, like, an entire suitcase just of makeup. Right? Like, this yeah. This go camping. I'm... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, okay. honestly, how can you not read that relationship as a lesbian relationship? I don't know. And how is it that no one has? Yeah, no, this it's... is a, a revolutionary theory that I love. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting to hear. Like, I was talking to my girlfriend, like, there's the, have you seen, like, Snape is trans mm-hmm. theory? Like, I'm not a fan of that at all. I don't like the argument that, like, bas- it sounds like basically, like, incels or trans women is mm-hmm. kind of what that <laughs> argument sounds like to me. But this one, and so, like, I, like, when you, when y'all were like, oh, Harry Potter and trans stuff, I was like, oh, no. But I'm so glad that this is the direction you went. Like, this is a breath of fresh air and wonderful. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I'm so, I'm a little, like, fangirling out. (laughs) (laughs) So so I think I want to make sure that we touch on on the unicorn Mm. thing, especially. So there's um, a really great Tumblr post about the the thing in the common rooms where boys can't go up mm, the mm-hmm. tower and there's like this... and like it turns into like a slide right right and so the, i've seen this tumblr thing where it's like a kid you know climbing those stairs and gets to the top and is like i knew i was a real girl mm-hmm. oh yeah i love that right and I kind of feel like this thing with the unicorns is that yeah, for Hagrid because unicorns only want, quote unquote, a woman's touch. Yeah. And Hagrid, like it, the book says, he knows, she, she knows as much about unicorns as Grubbly Plank does. And yeah, like it says one, like uh, she's earned the unicorn's trust. Right. Which like that... Like, honestly, that... Well, and, I mean, especially, like, right now with all the, like, turf garbage, where it's like, oh, like, sure, like, trans women can call themselves trans women, but they're not female, and, you know, all this garbage, whatever. But, so, like, so, honestly, thank you for, like, bringing this theory out there and being... And, because, like, with this evidence, like, I love it with the unicorns... Just being like, oh, yeah, we see you as who you really are. It doesn't matter, like, how society sees you. Like, we know the truth. We know your true name. We know your true nature. And, like, that's... Right. I love and, it. like, of any, of any creature, like, the unicorn is going to be the one that, like... Yeah. And that's, like, so symbolic overall. Like, unicorns just throughout all literature and all, like, myth. I mean, at least, like, the, like, Western concept of unicorns that we know. I obviously can't speak to, like, mythologies and whatever that I don't know. But, like, in, like, European folklore, like, unicorns are so closely tied to the, like, concept of, like, womanhood. And, like, even, like, problematically, like, the purest form of womanhood, you know? Like, they're all about virginity and being like the pure essence of a like femininity or whatever so much so that men can't even touch them or look at them right and so this ultimate symbol of that is like oh yeah we trust Hagrid of course right and so one 
there is one fan theory out there that like sucks and I dismiss it out of hand, but um, about why Hagrid can have this relationship with unicorns. And the idea is that it's because Hagrid is a virgin. And I feel like that's utterly ridiculous because when they are meeting the unicorns with Professor Grebley Plank, this is a class of like 14 year olds that she can't get close. And the assumption that like, she doesn't, trust that most 14 year olds are probably virgins yeah exactly like that yeah no that's not i I don't think that holds any water yeah no so if anyone out there is believing that you can just throw that right yeah (laughs) i mean also like basically based on what jk rowling seems to be saying like dumbledore seems like he might be a virgin and he's not hanging around with unicorns yeah Oh, God. I hope that Dumbledore and uh, Grindelwald fucked. <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, I, I, I hope Dum- like Dumbledore had happy relationships, but it doesn't seem like she wanted him to. No. Jesse and I also <laughs> believe that Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel were, oh, were partners for a time. Amazing. I love that. Amazing. This is a great podcast. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that makes me very happy <laughs> oh i'm having so much fun this is great um cool yeah uh also i i did text theo our our comic artist that you had already seen one of his comics and um he's dead now so that's amazing yeah. yeah i remember i sent it to my girlfriend oh my i was God. like yes look at this it's funny that's amazing <laughs> yeah this is really rad <laughs> um, the point of this is not for us to get really geeked about you liking us, though. <laughs> so it's a pleasant side bonus, though. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about the concept of denial beards. And mm. so I included that on the list because a lot of trans women friends of mine will like post pre-transition pictures yeah. of themselves and be like the denial beard was strong with this one. Oh yeah like I mean I 100% had that like uh, and it's it was awful because I could never grow a full beard like I could only grow a neck beard and so like it was just ugly and patchy but I was like oh I have to have this so that people know I have like so like when you sent that like I like immediately was like I, yeah I understand that. Yeah, but then what you what you said in your response, um, I think just is like really beautiful. Um, and I don't know, I think it makes more sense for you to talk about it than for me to read you the words that you. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, well, so I thought of the idea like, what if Hagrid, as a trans woman, half giant, like loves her beard. And decorates it. Well, and, like, with the comic that Theo drew with, like, the little, like, mouse and whatever hanging out in the beard, like, Mm -hmm. I imagine, like, Hagrid, like, would have, like, all of her little, like, animal children or students, like, make little (laughs) decorations or, like, bring flowers or feathers or whatever to put in her beard. And, like, she can just show off, like, oh, look at what, like, a proud mom I am, you know? Yeah. Oh, like, um... In Rat Queens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. the name of that character, but that's Yeah, totally... the dwarf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, I love the idea of Hagrid as just, like, keeping the long hair and bushy beard and just wearing, like, a tie-dye maxi dress, you know? <laughs> yes. And just being this, like, hippie butch out in nature, like having a great time putting on like oh like a tie-dye maxi dress with like combat boots and a denim vest oh my god like that is like uh like that's like the Hagrid outfit right yes I also think maybe the most ginormous pair of Birkenstocks would yeah oh god <laughs> amazing <laughs> Yes. It's like the size of a child's bed size bird. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, I love that. Well, and uh, ma- so, like a magical creature can come and like sleep on each one at night, you know? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
I, I love like nature butch Hagrid this is amazing thank you for bringing her into my world yeah Je- Jesse you emailed something earlier too um about Hagrid selling knitted hats at a farmer's market and I want you to oh talk about my that. gosh <laughs> yes Hagrid's oh she definitely has a booth at the farmer's market. Yeah, it's just like it's oh. like it's like knitted hats and like honey that they like knitted harvest. hats for your pets. Yes, little sweaters just, like... for your like spider. Yeah, like literally, like <laughs> she'll take custom orders for any animal, mm-hmm. any animal, no matter how big, how small, how many arms, how many heads. She'll make it a hat. Or a sweater, whatever you need. Mm-hmm. Some little hand-carved flutes and some, oh, like, God, very earnest flutes. baked goods. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. This is, oh, this is so good, honestly. <laughs> this is, like, the most heartwarming conversation. It's <laughs> making me so happy. Oh, man. This is, I mean, honestly, this is great. I love it. So just looking at this list, right, I would, I think it would be cool to sort of dig deeper into like Hagrid's caregiving and like general rejection of like typical masculinity. Um, And also I think, well, all of that. And then I also want to get into like how Grop plays into this um, and sort of like the fact that Hagrid can't leave the giant colony without mm. her brother once she finds yeah. him. Again, like that maternal instinct, like being a protective big sister, you know? Right, because he's getting picked on. Yeah. Oh, Hagrid. And then Madame Maxime being like, I feel you. Like, I get it. I can't stay here and deal with this anymore. But, like, I understand that you have to do this and that it's important to you, which is just, like, so lovely. Oh, but also, like, what a, like, classic lesbian heartbreak, you know? (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, sometimes boundaries, man. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Oh, but yeah, but so, like, on that, like, Hagrid. Like we've been saying this whole time, like it's kind of defined by these character traits of being this like big, larger than life, messy person, but also at the same time being extremely motherly and sisterly. Because again, like when, like with her relationship with the kids, like she doesn't like use them in the way that like Dumbledore does. Or, like, treat them bad in public, like Snape, you know? Like, she has a very, like, like, and she, like, helps them hide. Like, she is, like, an older sister, like a sibling, you know, as opposed to being, like, their boss or whatever. Like, she forms a deeper connection with them that I think is also indicative of just, like, her her openness to communicate and to form these like emotional bonds which again is like like a complete rejection of how most people say like masculine relationships have to be like like you put in here like Hagrid cries like openly and tells people why she's crying and tells people how she feels you know I feel like yeah with the crying like especially the like they're they're British, so there's definitely like a whole mm. relationship with tears there that yeah. takes place. Um, and and I think that we see Hagrid cry more than any other character mm. in this series. I think we in general see more emotional openness and honesty from Hagrid than than anybody there's like no if if we i feel like if hagrid was described without any gendered terminology there would not be a question yeah 
I, like, literally, Hagrid, like, if you just take out all the, like, he's, then it does, like, a, it's a perfect <laughs> trans woman reading. Yeah. Or just, like, woman reading, you know, like. Right. This is a great theory. Like, I mean, sorry that I keep on saying that so much, but, like, this is, it. well, and, like, it's really refreshing and I think exactly the kind of, like, fandom discourse or whatever, you know, that we should be having because it's so much better than, like, every time J.K. Rowling or Johnny Depp or whatever, like, gets in the news about Harry Potter, like, like base, almost trying to like ruin the legacy that like because it I, it helped so many people you know like so many of the queer people I know like these books were so important to us and so I'm just really glad that y'all are like keeping up that tradition of in like the Harry Potter fandom of being like hey here are, like the positive things we're getting out of it here's how it's meaningful to us these are the great things, these are, this is our story, you know? And I love that, that y'all are doing that. Thanks, May. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, just to, like, be mindful of time, I guess, is there, Jesse, do you have any other things that you want to get out there? I don't think so. Like, I'm, you know, taking a lot of this in and just like, <laughs> I don't know, just also thinking about Hagrid in book three, like fighting so hard for Buckbeak and just how oh. just, it just was like, just such an emotional trial and I'm just feeling very emotional about <laughs> it. Yeah. Yep. I'm right there with you. Like, oh, like... Honestly, like, some of these things, like, I'm almost crying, like, Hagrid is just, like, this reading of Hagrid is so beautiful, and I love it so much, and thank you for, like, re-sparking, I mean, like, not that, like, I hate Harry Potter, but, like, you know, like, I wrote my senior thesis in college about Harry Potter, like, I was in a Harry Potter band, like, I was, like, big, you know, and then, like, all this stuff where it's just, like, time after time you know like these bummer things keep coming out and so thank you for like giving me this opportunity to talk really joyfully about this thing that was such a big part of my life for so long yeah thank you so much for for being here and having this conversation with us um I know you talked at the top about like some of the places that you're writing and stuff like that but do you want to like give the people information about where where they can find you on the internet specifically yeah um i'm at may rude m-e-y-r-u-d-e um on twitter and instagram uh, also mayrude.com um like i tweet a lot about just like nonsense stuff uh and like nerd stuff and trans stuff and you can hire me to consult on your trans book or I'm consulting on a video game right now. That's going to be really cool. I think. Um, but so like, yeah, say hi to me on Twitter. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, May. This has been an absolute joy. Yeah, this was wonderful. Thank you so much again to May. That was such an amazing conversation to have and not just because she complimented us a lot. (laughs) I mean, I feel like I feel, I don't know. Like, I feel really happy imagining Hagrid as, like, a hippie woodland lesbian. But, like, Mm -hmm. I I think it's, it also feels good to talk about something that's, like, actually heartwarming about Harry Potter and not just, like, the Fantastic Beast movies are canceled because they're trash. Right. So, and I mean, we talk a lot of shit about these books and jkr and so it's nice to just be like oh hagrid is like a gift of a character yeah really and that you know it's it's like a gift that can mean other things to, like can can mean things can mean different things to a variety of people i think so yeah and it just feels good 
to be able to explore that. Yeah, I feel like my face hurt from smiling after that interview. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, it's just so good. Hagrid I so think good. Hagrid is so good. And like this headcanon, um, I think is going to make talking about Hagrid's relationship with Madame Maxime like a thousand times more exciting. Oh my god, I can't wait. I'm like already like composing things in my head. I'm like, yeah, this is what their like queer relationship is like, and it's great. I know. So, what pronouns are we going to use for Hagrid moving forward? That is a really good question. I feel like it would be disingenuous to continue using he. So, I feel like, yeah, I guess my instinct is to like go with like she, they. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm also kind of leaning towards they but also she does feel right too so let's let's just use both both of those i think is fair um because that that leaves room for like haggard to be owning a trans femme non-binary identity that also is like a totally legit reading and also honors you know our reading that Hagrid is a trans woman. Yeah. Does that feel okay? Yeah, no, that feels good. No, sorry, I'm just thinking about... I'm really excited. It's definitely going to make, like, the interpretation of, like, kind of, like, Hagrid's scenes in the upcoming book, like, so much richer, I think. Yeah. And I guess I'm just thinking specifically about for book two, when there's, like, the whole thing about around, like, their expulsion and sort of the way that, like tom riddle like sort of singles them out you know oh yeah so for yeah and of course our very long conversation about the beginnings of the inkling of how fucked up the justice system is and that was in the witching world right so yeah. yeah can does that have something to do with like your feeling about pronoun use no sorry uh okay. i guess i'm just thinking about like We'll have we'll have a lot more to talk about regarding sort of Hagrid's womanhood coming up. Yeah, yeah. So with that agreed upon, that being we're going to use all you know she or they listeners just to let you know, uh, you know this is being recorded after we have in fact finished recording the episodes for the rest of this book, and so you're hearing us make this agreement right but you won't actually hear us start using those pronouns until the next season because the it's already it's already happened in the past timey wimey okay i'm sorry <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> look uh, some events are fixed so. <laughs> that's a doctor who reference for anybody who is not up on that which what are you doing with your lives if you're not up on that i mean you you've ordered the harry potter series you might as well start watching doctor who <laughs> there's so much of it to watch you yes. I, <laughs> there's something literally for everyone <laughs> have you watched the old ones i haven't i have only watched from like nine onwards so okay but my brother has watched a lot of the older ones, and I think one day I will get really stoned and watch a bunch of the older ones. There's a really lovely episode. I think it might be the last, the last Peter Capaldi episode where um, he like crosses paths with a doctor from like you know back in the first iteration of Doctor Who, and spends like half the episode being like, "Don't say things like that," like, <laughs> just like. <laughs> <laughs> showing showing us how much the doctor has grown as a person. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's really lovely. Anyway, let's get back on track. So, yes, this has been a great time, and now the newspaper turning sound is going to happen, and you will be transported back in time, back to when we were drunk and recording the original part of this episode and you're about to hear us know literally nothing about geography for like 10 minutes. 
Listen, just blame the U.S. education system. I believe we spent some time blaming the U.S. education okay, system. Okay, great. And the yep. fact that we were both kind of shit-faced. So. Yep. Good time. Anyway. Great. <laughs> good talk. It was oh like every God. other note that I had in this chapter was either... Hagrid really big in all caps just his name (laughs) Hagrid or it was a heart it was one or the other no in between so these these things anytime he called Norbert he called himself Norbert's mummy and when he sings him a lullaby he got a heart the rest of the time he just got his name in all caps and all of my (laughs) notes are in all caps because I'm very upset with him I'm very very upset with him (laughs) okay let's uh let's dig into this all right, so we'll start with this this section, which is Hagrid looking looking shifty in the library, Hagrid getting sweet-talked into telling them about the spells, Hagrid letting children in his hut with a fucking dragon, letting them sneak out at night to help him with the fucking dragon. I'm upset. <laughs> this is yeah. just such inappropriate behavior. Yeah. What is he doing? I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's... It's so bewildering. Like, why couldn't he just pretend like, oh, hey, there's a baby dragon in the forest. Like, cool. I'm just going to be feeding this baby dragon. Right. Or, like, I just, like, the part where, like, Ron gets bit, I think, is the part that makes me most upset. Because they've been sneaking out at night to go help Hagrid with the fucking dragon. These are children. They are 11 years old. They... I th- I they cannot even legally be left home alone to take care of themselves <laughs> in this day and age. I think you have to be 13. And he's like, yeah, sure. Put on that sweet invisibility cloak. Come on down to my hut. Get bit by a dragon. I'm going to tell you off for upsetting my dragon. And then let you, like, go to the nurse. And, like, who knows what would have happened. I don't know how Ron got better because he wouldn't tell her what bit him. It's just, like, one, one, Dumbledore will never fire Hagrid. So at any point, anyone should have just gone to Dumbledore who would have been like, Aw, Hagrid, you and your ways. It's fine. You know? It just is, like, it's just such bad behavior he is so irresponsible i mean i feel like dumbledore had to have known that because i feel like he's acting so weird about it in these chapters where he's like neglecting his like whatever he's doing during the day that like dumbledore should have been like what's going on hangard what yeah i mean dumbledore smoking lizard dumbledore knows literally everything He's watching. I mean, he's just clearly letting this happen. Yeah. But why? So, who know? I mean, who knows? I think that's part of the reason why you're so correct about this, like, whole subplot, like, not really necessarily needing to be there. Because it's just, it's so weird once you examine it and, like, Demoto's, like, letting this happen. Like, this is how we're moving the plot along. It's, like... yeah. The one reasonable thing Hagrid does in the entire chapter is the one time that he won't let them in the hut because Norbert is at a volatile stage or whatever. That's the that's the only non all caps note that I have <laughs> is that that's a reasonable thing to do is say you can't come in. This dragon will murder you. Like, stop it, Hagrid. You're out of control, my friend. Also. He was plied with drinks, and then he's like, yes, I will, I won this dragon egg, Ferenc. Like, that is just reeks of suspiciousness. I mean, I guess if he brought Fluffy out of someone off the hogshead, maybe he gets a lot of animals from just randos at the hogshead, which is also real weird. What? It's... Hey, could you work at a school? You can't just be banging home random-ass shit from the bar? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I wish someone would offer me an exotic animal if I went to the bar, but like, <laughs> it's not guaranteed that I'd be like, oh, hey, I brought this macaw home that someone at the bar sold me. Oh my like, god, I would. 
I mean, I would if Nicole would murder me because I would have brought him a car from someone at a bar. And this is my best friend now. So bad. No, Nicole wants a bird. You'd be fine. You'd be fine if you brought a parrot home. It'd be fine. She, she does. Wa- she does want a bird. Macaws are really territorial of the person they consider their person. Oh, so. you. We all need a cockatiel. All of us. <laughs> oh, cockatiels are so cute. They're so cute. That's I my think... like go-to guaranteed. If I'm sad, if I watch YouTube videos of cockatiels, I'll be happy because they're so weird and cool and like bossy. Jezebel and the cockatiel would be like so mad at each other. Vying oh my for god! Who's the most in charge of our household? Oh my god! No. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be anyway. pretty cool. I support. I support your dream of one day getting a, a cockatiel. Every time I talk about it, Evan is like, "But the bird would be such a bully to Rufio." <laughs> <laughs> this is adorable. Oh my god! Also, uh, yes, listeners who don't yet follow us on social media, Rufio. All of my dogs are giant pit bulls, but Rufio is like the giantest, most pit bully of them all, and also is like a squishy blob of feelings in a fur suit. So it's humorous, especially humorous, to think about him being bullied by a bird. But it would one hundred percent happen. Yeah, it it would. It would. Aww. Cool guy. Anyway, um, my last angry note in health and science is that Charlie is just like, yeah, let my friends pick up this dragon from the top of the tower. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, no, put your pen down, write to Dumbledore, send an owl, do not write back to your 11 year old brother being like, do you think you could get the dragon to the top of the tower so my friends could pick him up? I actually, I have a note because I actually kind of love that because, number one, there must be multiple rules about ferreting, traveling with an illegal dragon hatchling across international lines. Are you fucking kidding me? He's breaking, he's like casually being like, oh yeah, we could just break like 40 million like, you know, international and national laws. It's totally cool. Just bring him to the I know. Tower. I think Charlie was Hagrid's previous Harry. Like, I think Charlie and Hagrid were tight the way that Hagrid and Harry are tight. My yeah. blood orange tequila situation is like kind of kind of kicking me in. My words are getting a little jumbled up. I'm okay. It's it's okay. It'll go right along with the jumble up words that I say when I'm sober. <laughs> <laughs> we are both we are both drinking heavily this episode. <laughs> Listeners, Jesse and I have both had separate very terrible weeks. So yep, we're 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 doing this for you. It's for <laughs> you, okay? It's so that we are funny, even though we've had terrible weeks. So. You should thank us. This is the most I've laughed all week, so this is pretty good. Yeah. Same. All right. Um, I do have one more thing about Charlie's friends. Okay. Really isn't really a health and science thing, but I'm sort of obsessed with what kind of people are like, oh, yeah, we're just going to fly our brooms to Hogwarts in the Highlands of Scotland with a, a, a legal-ass dragon. Is Hogwarts in Scotland? I thought so. Wait. No, it's not. not Scotland. It's like whatever is north, like the far north. I thought it wasn't in England. I don't think it's in Scotland. That's over a body of water, right? No, that's Ireland. Aren't Ireland and Scotland connected? No. <laughs> we it... geography. <laughs> England and England and Scotland and something else, I think, are connected. And then Ireland is like its own island, like. I'm using like a hand and look like it's Michigan, but it's like a little bit like. <laughs> I feel like people east. from Michigan only know how to reference geography by using our hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard when you de- when you can't do that. I don't know how people in like the square states it, do it. I don't. I know. Weird. I'm with you. Oh yeah, I see what you're talking about. It. I guess it could be, but. I mean. Wales. There... Wales is the other country. That's in the continent, the United Kingdom. Yeah. 
But the UK, I mean, it goes pretty north. Well, but where are the mountains? This is important. This is health and science. This is science. Where are the mountains? <laughs> Stop trying to cut me off while I learn the geography of the UK. No, you you should keep going because I still want to chat a little bit about Charlie's friends, which I feel like Charlie must have the most punk friends because like it sounds like so like it's so punk to just be like yeah we're just gonna strap a dragon between our brooms and fly like across eight different countries to Romania, breaking a bunch of uh, you know international law whatever it's cool, totally fine. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's so. ridiculous. Yeah. No, you're right. I don't think there are any mountains actually in the in England proper. Wait, England or Great Britain? What is the difference? I think this is Great, Great Britain. Britain, England, and Ireland, and the United Kingdom is England, Ireland, Wales, and I mean, damn it. You're asking a lot of geographic a uh, geo geography questions right now I you know remember. who knows the answers to these things people who went to school somewhere other than the u.s <laughs> <laughs> listeners you are list you are literally hearing the failing of the u.s education system do you know what my mom's like most frequent said thing to me regarding my education as a child was i don't want to think about what they're not teaching you at school <laughs> oh <God. laughs> it's accurate it was a lot yeah a lot of what they weren't teaching me yeah there's a lot of things they weren't teaching you are correct and like i like geography but the whole uk great Britain thing has been too confusing for me it is too confusing anyway Thank you for listening to The Gaily Prophet. I am all alone here in the outro today, so you are only going to hear my voice. I apologize, and I know that you miss Jesse. You can support us a couple of ways. The easiest way is to go over to iTunes or Stitcher or Facebook and leave us a review and a good rating. Five stars, please. We appreciate it. And if you do that, we will read your name in our podcast. And also, once we hit 50 reviews, we are going to send stickers to 10 of you awesome review leavers. So that's cool. You can also support us on Patreon. We are putting some really rad stuff up on Patreon. Last week, we posted an episode of Witch Weekly um, called JKR and the Problem with Retcons, where we rant about all of jkr's retconning and um talk about why trying to retroactively fix the lack of diversity is lip service and you should just do a better job in the first place so you can make sure that you learn all of that information while it's happening by following us on socials we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. You can also check out our website, which is thegailyprophet.com, and you can email us at thegailyprophet at gmail.com. We love getting emails from you, and once we have a few more, we're going to do a mailbag episode, sorry, a letter to the editor episode for our patrons at any level, so that's pretty cool. You should definitely email us, and also, even if you're not a patron, if we answer your question, you will get the episode in your inbox so if you want to follow jesse who's not here you can head over to instagram and follow her at live from detroit or on twitter at jesse underscore detroit if you want to follow me you can check out my website which is larkmalakai.com it's l-a-r-k-m-a-l-a-k-a-i.com where you can learn about the work that I do, both my healing work that I do with folks, um, and also my trans inclusivity trainings for healthcare providers. And that is something that even if you're not a healthcare provider, you should maybe check out because you can nominate providers and provider can mean anything from like a, you know, medical doctor to your Reiki practitioner. I'm, you know, as long as they are interacting with you in a way that feels vulnerable and is in any way related to your health i am happy to talk to them about how to do that in a trans positive way and i think you should do it whether or not you're trans so go check that out 
I am on Instagram at Lark Malachi and on Instagram at Radical Healer. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester, who also creates a comic every week that's inspired by the episode. Another reason to follow us on socials and to check out our website, because all of them are there. And the music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. Information for that is in the show notes. And our spoiler warning was recorded by Sarah Sarwar. Until next time, get ready for the comic that Theo will be creating this week depicting Hagrid as the beautiful trans lesbian that she is in a tie-dye maxi dress, giant Birkenstocks, a denim vest, selling knitted hats for spiders at the farmer's market. Holy shit, you guys. It's going to be so good.